0: It is good to be together. My name is Pastor Curt. I'm one of the pastors here at Faith Covenant Church. It is an honor to be together. Uh, we are in our series called Rooted in Wonder, where we are exploring ways that we can be uh, having conversations Uh, with our kids and with kids of all ages about God's Word in the Bible as well as God's Word in creation and how we can connect the dots between how God is continuing to speak a living Word to each one of us as uh, He wants us, as Dean has shared, to be uh, living and growing uh, in in our faith. And so in that spirit, I want to invite you to join me uh, in prayer one more time as we ask God's blessing on this time of looking into His Word. God, we ask for your blessing uh, through your spirit, that you would speak a word to each one of us this morning. Speak to us about how we can be uh, living and growing, uh, not just a single seed, but one that is uh, multiplying and sharing your good news and your love with others uh, as we discover your calling in our lives, and uh, that we don't have to shrink in fear, but we can be expanding and growing. learning more about how you're wanting us uh, to not only be uh, learning about your word, but uh, sharing that with others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to quickly also mention the uh, wonderful gift of these beautiful flowers that we have here today that are a gift from uh, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Sean and Jenna Hodge, who got married yesterday here in this space. And so if you get to see them in the next few weeks, celebrate their new marriage and family. So it's kind of a fun uh, new uh, journey that they get to be on together. Uh, Last week, if you've been with us in our series, we talked about how looking at nature uh, can help us begin to wrestle with the reality that life is not always easy. Uh, that, but that we have a God who created the wind and the rain and that same God who created this earth can help us to weather all of the storms of life that we may go through. And as we observe the struggle for life that we see happening in nature and in the world around us, we can recognize that our own struggles and that the struggles that our own children face Uh, also can help to build character in us, and that character builds perseverance, and that even though life isn't always easy, we can learn from observing how life grows and develops in nature, and also from reading how God says spiritual life grows and develops in his word, that good things can come even when we go through hard times. And as we get out into nature, we also begin to observe the cycles of life that we see that God has designed. And we can see uh, the joy and the excitement of new life and new birth. And we can watch things grow and be amazed at how tiny little seeds can produce large plants and and flowers and fruit and and multiply into multiple seeds. But we can also see how things begin to decay decay and we experience the the tragedy of death. And so in the midst of the beauty and the wonder of God's world, we are also faced with the challenge of helping our children and one another face the realities that, that life isn't always happy and life isn't always fun. And sometimes we have to expect that life is going to be painful and difficult in these other ways. And we observe that we, we live with this glorious tension about how robust life is on this planet on the one hand, and how delicate and fragile life is on the other hand. We see how teeming with life the earth is on the one hand, and, and how while we float through the vastness of space, how seemingly alone we are in the universe on the other hand. Now, for all of our efforts with our telescopes and our radio signals and our probability formulas, at least at at this point, we cannot locate any other planet like the Earth. The Earth is is a Goldilocks planet, right? It's not too hot. It's not too cold. It's just right for life to exist. And as our children grow, and we seek to teach them about God's word and the God who, who created this planet and gave it to us to, to enjoy and to exist in this, this space, about, and we teach them about this beautiful world and yet about how, how fragile and how precious life is, about this world that they live in and, and, and how beautiful and yet how fragile and precious they are to us as well. I don't know, is that me or is that just our system? Okay. We also know that they will have to wrestle with the truth that God has revealed in His Word. And I'm going to suggest for us this morning that is also a truth that they will have to face as they get out into His world and, and explore in nature that can be scary and can cause fear, but it can also be a source of faith. And that's a truth that there is no salvation apart from God and apart from His Son, Jesus Christ. Let me explain a little bit more what I, what I mean by that. If we look to nature, as we talked about last week, uh, we begin to see that there are natural disasters that are outside of our control, that threaten life and human civilization. But, but we also begin to quickly recognize that science is continually predicting Sorry. all the ways that the world could end with natural cataclysm, Right? From asteroid impacts to super pandemics, from massive solar flares to super volcanic eruptions, or or even, apparently, we have to be watching out for wandering black holes. They could be just kind of like sauntering through the neighborhood, you just never know. Then on top of that, you add all of the possible ways that our own human engineering may impact the possible demise of the planet, right? From nuclear warfare that most of us grew up under the threat of, or biological warfare, or climate change, or ecological collapse, or even now in our news today, the rise of artificial intelligence. If we look to nature, I want to suggest today that nature tells us, too, along with God's word, that there is no salvation there apart from God and apart from his son, Jesus Christ. Linham, in her book called Rooted in Wonder, says those worshiping creation rather than the creator or, to a lesser degree, depending on earth to sustain their lives, are in for a disappointment. When nature, tells, when nature fails to save them, or when they look to the stars to tell them their future, when they look to the forest for the peace that only the maker of the forest can give, or they ask science for all of the answers that of their soul-deep questions, nature will come up short, just like us, because nature, like us, is broken. Do we realize as we face the realities of climate change and nuclear apocalypse and all of the fears that our modern world wants us to to worry about and fear that the idea of apocalypse is nothing new? We can see throughout the story of the Bible that the trajectory of scripture is that from the moment of the fall, the clock on this world began ticking. The Bible tells us that this limitation that God has implemented was part of his judgment against the sin and the evil that had marred his good creation. But it also tells us that this judgment was not one of anger and punishment, but it was a judgment of love and a promise of restoration. Let's go back to the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8, verse 19, where he says, For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in its pains of childbirth right up to the present. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies, our part of this creation that God has made. Biblical scholar N.T. Wright says, God's creation and God's justice go hand in hand together. He says, as the Psalms and the prophets insist, Israel's God cares passionately about putting right that which was wrong in his world. We in the West have often reduced this to the negative word judgment, seeing that largely in terms of punishment for individual misdeeds. But in the Hebrew scriptures, judgment is a joyous thing a cause for celebration, because it means that Israel's God is coming to put things right, to right the wrongs, to straighten what has been made crooked, to repair and to rebuild what has been torn down. Justice means making things right again at last, getting the original project back on track. And this is the hope of the gospel message of Jesus Christ, isn't it? Isn't that what the good news message of Jesus is all about? That in the resurrection, the the future hope of mankind, which isn't just for individual salvation, that someday after we die, we get to go live in the heavenly by and by but that because Jesus has risen from the dead and his body is now physically, actively alive, he is the first fruits of the new creation that we too and the entire world is going to be fully restored and brought back to newness of life. Isn't that the hope of the resurrection? Isn't that what the gospel is all about? This is the good news message of the Bible, but if we separate our perspective of life in this world from the perspective of the good news that God has revealed, we tend to misunderstand what God's justice is all about and his intention that is to restore God's creation, not just to destroy it in anger and in judgment. And so it's easy for us to become fearful and to feel overwhelmed and to not even to know how to talk to our kids about what the Bible means. When we read, for example, passages like 2 Peter 3 verses 10 through 12, where Peter says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Yikes. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to be holy, living holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Why would you look forward to that day? <laughs> That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. (laughs) You want to talk to your kids about that? (laughs) That sounds like a horror story, not good news, doesn't it? On the one hand, this is a really scary statement that we need to take seriously. And the reality is that we don't know when or how the end of history will come. But on the other hand, we also know that the Bible talks about how the fire of God's judgment and the fire of God's justice is a refining fire. And is a purifying fire that burns out the dross that brings righteousness and holiness out of that which has been corrupted. And and, and it brings to light that which God had intended to be holy, that we as his human creation have twisted for our own ends. But God has promised throughout his word that he would bring to restoration and make right. He would take that which we have made crooked and he would make it straight. And so Peter goes on in verse 13 to say, but in keeping with His promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. So as citizens of earth, as citizens of God's creation, those that He has built and designed to live on this earth, and as citizens of God's heavenly kingdom, which is not separate from this earth, but has come to be with us through His Spirit in this place right now, today, We can learn to be conversant in the wise stewardship of this good creation that God has given us to exist in, as well as the fact that we know that this world can never save us. But that the God who made this world has a plan, and even now is working out his plan for our good and for his glory, and that our future home is not some cloud where we're going to float in eternity eating grapes. But it's going to be a world very much like the one we live in right now without pain, and without sorrow, and without death, and without tears. And that that world has already begun because Jesus is alive. And the new creation has already begun. In her book, Lenham talks about how if we look at the current science, it might seem like the world does indeed seem to be warming up right now. And what that means for, for the planet in this, in this iteration of time long term, how quickly we might see results of global warming may be hard for us to actually determine. On the one hand, in that season, we may choose to be climate deniers. On the other hand, we could easily, just as easily say that climate change could be one of the ways that, 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 that you know, the biblical prediction of how this world comes to an end might actually become a reality, and it could fit within a theory of, of, of the biblical narrative of how the world ends. We don't know. We can't predict. So whatever your theory of the end times, the main point that we have to take away from the biblical story is that we don't have to be afraid. In fact, that's the whole point of the good news story of Jesus. It is that God has not left us alone to our fate, but he has acted in amazing and wonderful ways on our behalf and and on behalf of the whole creation. Even as we explain to our children that this world is broken by sin, even as we too continue to experience the brokenness of this creation in our own bodies and in our own families and in our own world... We can also explain that God is working to make all things new and he invites us to experience that grace and that gift that he gives us through his son Jesus so that we can begin now to participate as people who are helping to make all things new. And so our kids can begin to grow up with the confidence and the peace that in light of of the brokenness of the world, they can begin to see evidence of God's plans working themselves out as they see the truth of God's word being evidenced in God's world, which reveals God's ongoing work on their behalf because they know the truth that we share with them through our conversations of the words of Isaiah 40, verse 8, that the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the Word of God stands forever. N.T. Wright again says, Easter Day is not simply the happy ending after the sad and dark story of Holy Week. Easter's the start of something. It isn't the ending, it's the beginning of the new creation which has been made possible by the overcoming of the forces of corruption and the decay that was evident in the death of Jesus. What God did for Jesus at Easter Day, he will do for all his people at the end, raising them to new bodily life, to share in the life in the new world that he is already preparing to bring to fruition. And so Linham says, as our children grapple with the idea and associated fears of the possibility of an expiring planet, which they're going to hear in school, and they're going to hear in college, and they're going to read in the news, right? Uh, They're going to hear either the the possibility of a techno-utopia, that we're going to save ourselves through technology, right? Or the techno-apocalypse, that we're going to kill ourselves through our technology. Those are the two options that we have right? In the midst of that conversation, she says, we can assure them that all, though creation is broken, our Creator is preparing something far greater than we're experiencing today, and He will not fail. She says, when my kids ask me what heaven will be like, she says, I often tell them I will, I believe it will be much like this earth that we're experiencing now, only how it will, only how it was supposed to be, as it was portrayed in the Garden of Eden, when it won't be broken, it will be everything beautiful without any of the bad. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 22, for for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him, then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom of God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And Wright again identifies that this new creation began when Jesus came back to life and burst out of that tomb on Easter Sunday morning. Jesus, we see and experience, the Jesus. In Jesus, we see and experience the ultimate heaven and earth person. That's what Paul talks about in the letter to the Ephesians. He's the truly human being who most ultimately represents the the person of the, the Israelites, God, who is present with us. In Jesus, the age to come has become fully present in our time. And so the power of God has become present to us in this moment, through God's Spirit now. And if that does not fill you with wonder, I don't know what else can. If you really think about it, the last scene of the Bible, right? If you, if you really say, okay, just tell me the end of the story, right? And you go to the very last scene of the Bible. Do you know what the last scene of the Bible depicts, right? The picture isn't a whole bunch of saved souls who are in heaven having a good time. Right? Do you remember what the story is? Let's go to Revelation 21, verse 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. See, when John says that the first heaven and the first earth had passed away together with the sea, what he means is that that first heaven and that first earth were the corrupted earth that we're experiencing today. And that corrupted state, that fallen creation, it it is no more. The the sea represents the dark chaos of of, of the evil world that that Jesus died to overcome. And there's no chance that that evil will come back. Jesus has uh, done it once and for all. The new creation has been guaranteed because of the resurrection of Jesus once and for all. And once we realize and celebrate the fact that Jesus is already reigning on the throne today. It's not someday. It's not, yeah, that'll happen in the end. But today, Jesus is alive, seated on the throne and reigning as the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the master over God's creation. We can start to learn to see and to participate in the signs of that new kingdom and that new creation today. And we can begin to teach our children that they don't have to be afraid, but they too can begin to be stewards of God's good creation even now. We have a mission to fulfill and a purpose to pursue. And as we pick up the story next week, We're gonna talk about how we and our kids, as we get out into nature and ask ourselves, what does it really mean that God has called us to be stewards of the creation that he has given us, helps us to begin to have a deeper sense of what our own calling and life purpose is as God's children and God's people in this world. For today, I wanna close with Paul's words from 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and the amazing, wonderful truth that I want you to take away where Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, and the new is here. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the amazing wonderful truth that you have already overcome the evil one. You have overcome sin and evil and death. And even though right now we have to wait a little longer for you to finally bring to fulfillment your plan to bring your new creation to fulfillment, we know that this waiting time is only because you desire more and more people to come to a saving knowledge of your love for them through your son, Jesus. And so in this time in between, I pray, God, that you give us the courage to have honest conversations with our kids and our grandkids, that they don't need to be afraid, that they don't need to worry about what will happen for the future of this world, because we know, God, that the the clock is ticking on this world. And that's a good thing because we can celebrate that the newness of life that you have already inaugurated through your son Jesus is something that we want to see come as quickly as possible and that we can help to hasten that day by becoming people who multiply seeds for your kingdom by sharing your good news, by cultivating your word, and by helping to bring good news to a lost and a hurting world.